Okay, we are going to start now a new Sefer, the Sefer Melachim. Sefer Melachim, um, just like the Sefer of Shmuel has two volumes to it, Shmuel Aleph and Shmuel Beis, so too the Book of Melachim is also Melachim Aleph and Melachim Beis. And Melachim Aleph and Melachim Beis take us through an uh, extremely important part of our history. And as the name of the Sefer indicates, the, the history of our kings, the kings of Klal Yisrael, um, the, the whole list of kings of Klal Yisrael are gone through in this Sefer of Melachim, the book of our kings. And it really covers, you know, the Sefer of Shmuel, at least Shmuel Beis, was really about David HaMelech. And now we go from David HaMelech all the way until the end of kings, because we know that the era of kings really lasted throughout the first Beis HaMikdash. The first Beis HaMikdash, we're going to learn a lot about the first Beis HaMikdash, and that stands for 410 years. And it's in that era that we have all the kings, because um, but with the destruction of the first Beis HaMikdash is the end of the era of Melochim, of kings by Klal Yisrael. Um, there's going to be Golos Babel, there's going to be a second Beis HaMikdash, um, but there's not going to be kings. Uh, the, the last king of the Jewish people is at the end of the first Beis HaMikdash, and the next one after that is going to be Melech HaMashiach, um, when the third Beis HaMikdash will be Emir Sashem Bekariv. But so this Sefer really is the Sefer of all the story of our kings, and it's um, it's a, a glorious time and a terrible time, and we're going to see. It's uh, Tanakh is it's not an easy Sefer to read. There's a, there's a lot of uh, a lot of very difficult stories. It's the history of our people, and there's a lot of beautiful things there, as we've been seeing, but a lot of very difficult and painful and thing, and many things that's hard to understand also. And much as uh, we try, we don't really understand everything. Like so many parts of Torah, we get the basic story, and there's deeper and deeper and more and more so to understand. Um, this Sefer Malachim is written by Yirmiyahu, interestingly. Um, Yirmiyahu, we know him primarily as the Navi HaChurban. Yirmiyahu is the Navi that lives before and during the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. Um, but he really chronicles what, what happened throughout the Beis HaMikdash from the beginning. And he's the one who wrote this Sefer that we're going to begin reading and learning tonight. Um, the Sefer Shmuel that we just uh, completed learning, we spent some good time on that, I would say. I think this year we started together, I think Shmuel Beis, right? With Shmuel Aleph we did last year. Um, so Shmuel was written uh, partially by Shmuel himself, but Shmuel passes away in the middle of Shmuel, so he doesn't end the Sefer of Shmuel. So the end of Sefer Shmuel is written by the Nevi'im who are still around, and that's Nasan Hanavi and God Hanavi. These are the two primary Nevi'im in the time of David HaMelech. So they finished up Sefer Shmuel. From the passing of Shmuel until the end was written by Nasan and God, who were Nevi'im. Who were prophets, um, and they, they we ended with with their sefer last week, and now we begin the next sefer Malachim, which again, as we we're saying, is being penned by Yirmiyahu Hanavi. Okay, now is there a sefer called Yirmiyahu also? Yes, yes, yes. And, and did he write that? Yes, yes. And so Yirmiyahu also Yirmiyahu wrote a lot. Yirmiyahu also wrote Eicha, um, Eicha, which is the Lamentations that we Yirmiyahu's the, the book of Yirmiyahu is primarily Yirmiyahu's Nevuos. Um, and primarily they're the nevuahs of the churban, of the destruction. And Yirmiyahu had arguably the most difficult uh, life because he was designated as the one who was going to be the harbinger of bad, the one who is the prophet of, of churban, and he lives it, and, he, and then he actually, uh, you know, he admonishes and he warns, and then he sees it. He, yeah, he, he was, he was. So he was, a, his, the name itself, Yirmiyo, as the Svarim tell us, has the meaning of mirirus, mar, which is bitterness. 
So, you know, obviously a tremendous Sadiq and Navi, but his lot was not an easy one, to say the least. Um, so we know he's more commonly known as the writer of Yirmiyahu and the writer of Eicha. This Sefer Malachim, he's not really mentioning it. It's, it's the few hundred years until his time that he's chronicling, really. really. Um, so this is more the history of, of the nation, whereas the book Yirmiyahu was his own nevuas in, in his own time. But yeah, both were by Yirmiyahu. Yeah, yeah, we we do know the number of kings that we're going to go through that. I did not prepare that now to give the exact number. We're going to see kingdom is going to be very complicated. It's going to split up into two kingdoms. There's the Malchi David and Malchi Yisrael, and that's the story of Malachim. Again, as I'm <laughs> I'm giving you the introduction, it's it's not for the faint-hearted, and it's not it's not easy, but it's the story of Tanakh. So um, yeah, we're going to go through the numbers and so on as we go through one by one as we get there. Um, we're not going to get so far, t- you know, tonight. We're just beginning, and then we have the Beis Hamikdash, the building of the Beis Hamikdash. We're not going to really get into the kingdoms until later in Malachim. A few parakim into it, as we'll see. So, um, really, it's interesting where where it starts, where Sefer Malachim begins. Because, um, in essence, as I said, Shmuel Beis was the story of David HaMelech. You know, we, it was, the, in, in the entirety of Shmuel, was a lot more than David, because we had Shmuel, and the birth of Shmuel, and Hana, and, and all that. And then we had the whole story of Shoal. Shaul was a, was a very big part of, of Shmuel Aleph, and, and Shmuel Beis, more than anything else, was the story of David HaMelech. So, at this point, we're really at the end of David HaMelech's life. I mean, even in the last last uh, shir, and even two shirim ago, we were dealing with the final songs of David, and the yeshira of David, and the final words of David. So, really, one would have thought that the best um, way of splitting up the Sefer would be to, to end Malachim with the, and Shmuel with the passing of David. Uh, have success. I'm sorry? I have success. Oh, that's not to me. Okay. Um, uh, you know what? Let me um, let me push a mute. Uh, mute all, uh, which I'm going to do now. And of course, everyone can always unmute themselves and ask and comment. Um, so one would have thought that the book of Shmuel would finish with the passing of David. And that the book of Malachim would be the next step. And the next step, of course, is his son, Shlomo Malach, who's going to be his successor. But that's not the way of it. Um, and the last, the first parrot, or really, David is going to pass away in the second parrot, I believe, which we're going to get to tonight. But the first two prakim uh, are the end of David's life, the, the, the real end. And they're part of Malachim. And the Mepharshim deal with that. The commentators deal with why... You know, why, why didn't we just finish and, and with David passing away in the end of Shmuel? And the basic answer given is what's mentioned in these last parakel two, the very end of David's life, is what's is, is really, really the beginning of Shlomo. It's what's, what's mentioned here is important in Shlomo's narrative. So it's, um, it's the end of David's life as will lead into Shlomo's life, as we'll see very shortly. Okay, so let, let's, let's begin. Enough introduction. Perikal. Vamelach David Zakin Babayamim. David now is exceedingly old. He's at the he's in the last uh, last uh, phases of his life, last months of his life. He doesn't give us a date. Um, he's not that old. The truth is, he's seventy years old. But seventy in today's day and age is definitely not considered old. Uh, then it was. Um, he might be the the king who lived longest of all the kings. Um, I saw a question. Maybe there's one king later who lived more than seventy. Definitely, the the vast majority lived less. And David, as we've learned, and as we know, has a very, had a very difficult life and is very, very aged and very, very, um, is on his deathbed at this point. 
And the uh, Pasuk tells us that he suffered a very odd uh, sickness, and that is that he could not be warm. He was just perpetually cold, as the Pasuk says, As many garments as they would cover him with, he wasn't warm. Um, and uh, again, Mepharshim deal with this. Interestingly, the, I, I saw it written that, uh, you know, clothes obviously don't create warmth, right? Cl- clothes are not heaters. Um, clothes only contain the warmth that the body has. And David, at the end of his life, his body didn't have warmth, which is a, a, an interesting illness. I don't know if we have words for it, but that's what it says. It says he wasn't able to find any warmth. Um, and his garments didn't warm him. And the, the Gemara says something very fascinating. It says that this was really a, um, a punishment of sorts or an, uh, or an effect of something that he once did. It says he embarrassed clothing and therefore clothing stopped helping him. Where did David embarrass clothing? Where did, where did David uh, have anything with clothing? So it goes back to a, a fascinating story that we learned about where David um, cut off a corner of the garment of Shaul HaMelech, his father-in-law. Now, he did that. It was, again, we know that Shaul was chasing David and Shaul was trying to kill David. And David was in very, very close proximity to Shaul and he, and he cut off a corner of his garment in order to show him that he could have killed him if he would have wanted to, but he didn't. So at that point, it didn't seem like something negative, and for a regular person, definitely it wasn't. But for someone on the level of David Amalekh, somehow this was considered that David uh, got into some type of a argument, if you, if you will, with the concept of clothing, that he somehow didn't honor or respect clothing um, to the degree that was expected. And that's why at the end of his life, this also had to be um, atoned for, and his clothing couldn't help him. An odd, an odd concept. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess so. There's, I mean, uh, uh, you know, there wasn't regular clothing, it was the clothing of Shaul Amalek. Yeah. Okay, that's true, that's true. But, so here, and then the Pasuk goes on to tell us something that's, it's really, truly very, in fact, it has to be for me one of the strangest things in the entire Tanakh. It says that the, his servants were trying to figure out what could they do for him. And they found, it says, a, a beautiful woman, her name was Avishag from the city of Shunam, and she was going to provide physical warmth for the king. Now, the Pasuk is very clear that there were no marital relations between them. David, at this point, wasn't, I don't think he was shy. He's, he's, again, he was dying, he was 70 years old. And nevertheless, she was brought before the king, this Avishag Hashunamis. Again, we'll see she becomes somewhat important in the story a little bit later. And she was brought to the Melech to be before him, to serve him, and to provide warmth that the king on his own did not have. That's how the Pasuk starts, and doesn't really tell, tell us anything about that, if it worked, if it didn't work. It just says that this Avishag was brought in order to provide this additional warmth for David HaMelech, again, who's at this moment um, 70 years old and, at, and on, really on his deathbed. Okay, that's the first four Pasuk. Then the Pasuk goes on, in Pasuk Hay, and tells us of a new Tzara, a new a semi-rebellion. And we know that we thought we, we thought we were finished with this. Enough rebellions, right? So we have now another son of David HaMelech, who we have not heard of till now. His name is Adonia. Adonia, um, who's, who most likely a great man, the Mepharshim say. Um, and Adonia was a son of Chagis, one of the wives of David HaMelech. And Adonia is, goes out now and he's telling people that he is going to be the new king. 
Again, everyone knows that David is dying at this point, and it's not. I don't know that um, that common it's common knowledge who's going to be the successor. David Hamalach did not say yet in public who's going to be his successor. So this son Adonia, who's again a great person, charismatic person, um, goes out and he's acting kingly, and he makes for himself uh, horses and wagons and and people running before him. And the pasuk in pasuk vav says that David never stopped him. You know, Adonia was a was a you know, a son, prize son. David never stopped him. And he was, um, he was much older than Shlomo. Shlomo Melech is, is a boy. It's important to know this. Shlomo Melech, when David passes away, is eight years old. So we're not talking about a, uh, we're talking about a, a child. And Adonia is much older. Maybe he's closer to 35 years old. So Adonia is going out and he's, and he's, he's already celebrating that he's going to be the king. And here, here's where it gets um, complicated. Adonia brings two of the most important people on David's staff on board. And they are, who's the single most important name that we know from David Amalek's story? Avner? Avner? Uh, Avner is gone. Avner was killed. Um, Avner was not David. Avner was Shoal's general. Uh, but we're talking about Yoav. Yoav ben Sriya. Yoav ben Sriya, who was the general of David all the years. But we also know that Yoav had some real falling outs with David because Yoav was the zealot and Yoav had put a number of people to death against David's um, desire. First and foremost, David's own son. We know that in the great rebellion of Avshalom, where David gave you know, very clear instructions that his son should not be touched, Yoav killed Avshalom. Yoav killed Avner, who was, who was Shaul's general. Yoav killed Amasa. Amasa ben Yasser, who was, who was um, Avshalom's general. So Yoav was a great general, great warrior, um, very successful in many of the conquests and many of David's battles. But Yoav had gone against David's wishes and will many times. And as the Mepharshim say, Yoav knew that his time is up with David. It, it's not, you know, he knew that David is not going to let this go. And therefore, Yoav needed to get involved in something else, really. So Adonia, when, he, when Adonia is now beginning this, uh, his quest for kingdom, the first person he goes to is Yoav. He says, you come with me. I'll take care of you. And Yoav does. Yo, Yoav here goes against David. Goes, well, it's, it's, at this point, it's not really against. David didn't say anything yet. But Yoav joins um, Adonia in his quest for being the new king. So that's one. And the other one is Evyasar the Kohen. Now, you'll remember from Shmuel that there was two people who were Kohanim, who, were, who served in this capacity as Kohen Gadol. There was Evyasar and there was Tzadok. You might remember that Evyasar already really lost his Kohuna. At this point, David had instated Tzadok to be the Kohen Gadol. But Evyasar was still a big name out there. You know, he was the former Kohen Gadol. So Adonia makes a pact with you, he brings in Yoav and he brings in Evyasar. That's two big names when you go out to the people. These are, you know, very famous names in Jewish politics of the time. Yoav is the general. Evyasar is the former Kohen Gadol. Adonia brings them in on his team. And he goes out and starts really celebrating that he's going to be the new king and he's, he's creating his uh, platform, if you will. But as the... It, was, it doesn't seem that it was a known thing to everyone, no. It definitely wasn't official. It was something between, Shlo, uh, you know, between David and Bathsheba 
and Shlomo, the Navi knew, but it wasn't, there was no official proclamation, and it wasn't the thing, it wasn't, you know, known in town, no. But the Pasuk says in Pasuk Ches, that Sadok, who was the Kohen Gadol, was not called, uh, was not part of this. Biniyahu ben Yehoyada, who is one of David's generals, was not part of this. Nasan Hanavi was not part of this. So it was, Adoniah got himself his two people. He got Yoav, he got Evyasar. Um, and as the Pasuk says in Tess, um, he was uh, bringing sacrifices in special places. He was calling to all his brothers. He was calling to everyone, but not to the ones who were ultimately faithful to David, not to Nasan Hanavi, not to Binu Yahu, and not to others of the Giborim. Okay, so what do we do? I'm sorry? Uh, that's exactly so. It, it's he campaigning, but more than campaigning, you realize he wasn't coming from nowhere. He was a prince. He was a son of David Hamelach, um, and he was a logical. Um, he was a logical choice. It's not as if he was coming from nowhere. But the big mistake was he did this without asking David Hamelach. He did this on his own. David Hamelach is alive, and he did this on his own. Most likely, he knew that he wasn't really the one who David was going to choose, and therefore he didn't ask questions. Um, the fact is he had no he did not ask questions and he's sort of crowning himself in the lifetime of his father still. So, but here we have a you know, what do we do? So here we have a famous story of cunning. Um we know that sometimes in the Torah cunning uh, is used by great Sadiqim when something has to be accomplished. Uh, probably the most uh, famous cunning story of the Chumash is the story of Rivka and Yitzchak. Right? Where Yitzchak for whatever reasons wants to give the brachas for Esav. And Rivka uses this cunning way of making sure the brachas go to the right place. And we have a similar story here. And how is this happening? And actually I should say that the story of the first parak of Malachim is a haftorah that we read on Shabbos Chayi Sora. Every year on Shabbos Parshas Chayi Sora we, we read this story in the haftorah. So if it's, uh, it, might be, it, might be, um, it might be remembering it from then as well. So how does this play out? So Nasan Hanavi calls in Bathsheba. Now, of course, Bathsheba is, um, uh, is, is a wife of David, a very important wife of David, and she is the mother of Shlomo HaMelech. And so Nasan calls in Bathsheba, the mother of Shlomo, and he says, I don't know if you heard, but Adoniyahu, son of Chagis, is, uh, as you said, is campaigning, or is already acting like a crown, like a, a crown prince. And therefore, Nasan and Navi says, I don't, I don't believe this is David's will. And we have to, and this is what I want you to do. I want you to go into David HaMelech, your husband, and tell him the story. Tell him what's going on. He has no idea. Right? David is, 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 as we said, David is on his deathbed. He does not know what's going on in the, you know, in, in, in the city. So I want you to go in and tell him. And tell him the whole story. Tell him that Adonia is acting as king. And tell him that Adonia has called Yoav and has called um, if Yasser the Kohen are with him, tell him that Adunia has not called Bathsheba, not called Shlomo, not called Nasan Hanavi, not called Biniyo. You know, tell David everything and ask him, he's the king, he should give the word what has to be done. And Nasan says, while you're speaking, I will come in and I will compliment what you're saying. You know, it should start from you, you're the wife and you're the mother of the one who should be the king. But as the Navi, I will come in and, you know, finish off your words. And basically, Nasan gives uh, Bathsheba very, uh, you know, very clear instructions, and that's exactly what she does. Um, as the Pasuk says, um, where is this? Pasuk Tesvav, right? Vatavo Bathsheba al-Hamelech, Achadra Bathsheba comes to the king, to the room. Vamelech zakein ma'od, again, the king is very old. 
Vavishag Hashunamis, that woman Avishag is there serving the king. Bathsheba bows, and the king says, What can I do for you? And she says the whole thing. She says, You, David, you swore to me that Shlomo is going to be the king after you, and he will sit on your throne. But now that's not happening. Adonia is acting as a crown prince, and the king doesn't know. And he brought the sacrifices, and he called Avyasser, and he called Yoav. But the Shlomo he didn't call. So, so Bathsheba tells her husband, she says, Va'ata now Adoni HaMelech, my master, the king, Eine kol Yisrael Olecha. The eyes of all the Jewish people are on you. Lahagid lahem to tell them. Mi Yeshev al Kisei Adoni HaMelech Acharov, who will sit on the throne of the king after him. Um, now, and that's what she, she sort of finishes off. And as she says that, Nasan HaNavi arrives. And the, 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 the announcement is that Nos, the, the Navi Nasan is here. The Yagidu Lamelech, the servants, whoever tells the king, Nasan is here. And the king says, let Nasan come in. He, Nasan comes in and Nasan bows to the king. And he says the same thing. Nasan says, did you say that Adonia should become the new king? Because that's what he's doing, he's acting as king, and he did not call me, and he did not call Tzadok, or Vinyo, and Tishlomo. And Nassim says, if this is the will of the king, then fine. But, and here David HaMelech says, if, 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 for those following in the Sefer, Pasich Chavches, Vayan HaMelech David Vayomer. David HaMelech answers and he says, call, call Bathsheba, because now Nassim had been talking. He says, call Bathsheba to me again. And, and Bathsheba comes, Vatamo, she stands before the king. Vayishova HaMelech Vayomer. The king swears, and he says, Chai Hashem, I swear by the name Hashem, Asher Poda Esnafshi Hashem, who has redeemed me, Mikol Tzara, from all of the, the afflictions of my life. He says that just as I swore to you in the name of Hashem, the God of Israel, saying that Shlomo will be, Shlomo, my son, or your son, Bathsheba's son, Bathsheba's son, will be the king after me, and he will sit on my throne. This is what shall be. And so David uh, takes an oath that the initial shvua that he had given to Bathsheba, that Shlomo would be king, um, is the one that will is going to stand. And the Pasuk finishes, and Bathsheba bows to the king, and she says, she finishes with, Yechi Adoni HaMelech David Le'olam, may my master, may our master, the king David, live forever. Um, as the Mepharshim say, David is really dying at this point. And uh, so, I mean, some say different Pirushim, some say like, miraculously he should live. Or the Radak, David Kimchi, he says, that David should live on forever, his soul should live on forever, his kingdom should live on forever. As we say, David Melech Yisrael, it's an everlasting kingdom. So, that, so that's, uh, that's the end of Asheva's statement. And then David says, call me Tzadok HaKoyim. And Nasan Hanavi. Again, Sadok is serving as the Kohen Gadol. Nasan is the Navi. And Biniyahu ben Yehoyada, who's now serving as Davanamel's general. And he says, I want you to take servants, and I want you to take my son Shlomo, and take him on my Pirda, literally a mule. Um, David Amalekh, it seems, rode on a mule. And actually, I, there's Kabbalistic reasons for that, which I'm not going to go into, and I didn't prepare, but there is a whole thing about that, why he had a mule, Darka. But he says, take him to the river, the, uh, the stream, the stream Gichon, and I want you to anoint my son Shlomo there now. And the one who should do the anointing is the Kohen Gadol and the Navi, Tzadok and Nasi, and you should blow a shofar, and you should say, Yechi HaMelech Shlomo. The way to accept a king is by saying, by proclaiming that long live the king. And I want you to anoint him and proclaim his kingdom now. 
while I'm still alive. So everyone should know that I am proclaiming him as the next king. Um, and, and then afterward, you should bring him back to the palace and he should sit on my throne and he should be the new king. And he is the one who I'm commanding to be a leader over Klal Yisrael and the Shevet Yehuda, all of Klal Yisrael. Uh, the, and the Ben Yo, Ben Yo Yada answers and he says, Amen, Kein Yomar Hashem, so Hashem said, and so shall be, that this will, that, that he should be the new king of Klal Yisrael. And just like Hashem was with the king, so too he should be with your son. And his, his, his throne should be even greater than the throne of his father, David HaMelech. Which is an interesting statement. That he, he's, he's wishing the father that his son should be even more successful than him. The Gemara learns from here an interesting thing. That Bakol Adam Miskane. From everyone one could be jealous, but not from a child. From one's, old chi from one's child's successes, one is not jealous. One is only happy when the child succeeds and surpasses the success of a parent. Um, and that, that's the Gemara uses this Pasuk as a proof for that, because here we have Biniyo telling David that Amin, your, son your son's throne should be even greater than yours. Um, because that's the bracha that he's giving him. And Sadok and Nasan and Viniyahu, again, these are the three over here, the Kohen Gadol, the Navi, and the General, go down together with Kresiu Plesi, which is either warriors or it's the Urim Vatumim, different Mepharshim. And they do exactly what David says. They take Shlomo on, on, the, um, on the mule of the king. And again, Shlomo is eight years old, I'm repeating. And they bring him to the stream. And Tzadok takes the uh, Shemen, the oil that's used in the Beis HaMikdash, to, the, the oil that's used in the Mishkan, to anoint the various vessels of the Mishkan. And he anoints Shlomo, and they, they blow the shofar, And the entire nation that's with them all say, Yechia HaMelech Shlomo, that the king uh, Shl the Shlomo should live. And there is music, and there's happiness, and there's tremendous simcha. And everyone hears of what just happened. David Amalek just announced the new king of Klal Yisrael. So, really, he was eight years old. I've always heard that he was 12 years old. You know what? Am I, am I making a mistake? It could be. I was... Do they have a region for him, or what? Who, who's ruled, though? But he was too young to rule, wasn't he? Well, at this point, David Amalek is still alive. Do you know what? I didn't see the eight years old right now, and it could be you're right, twelve years old. This is Rashi and Radak three Done. Okay, I'm, I think Rashi and Radak probably know better than me. So we'll, we'll, I think I used it for his No, 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 no. Excellent, excellent. I, I'm sorry. I apologize, and thank you for correcting me. That David is twelve years old. Still a little bit young for a king, but better than eight, I guess. Right? Almost, bar, almost, almost bar mitzvah. Right? Right, right. When, when. Um, when my sons are 12, they tell me they're practically by mitzvah already. It's, you know, they, they count their I just wanted to ask one clarification. Who yeah. was the mother of um, this Adonia? This is Chagis. Says the name. We don't, know, we don't know much about her, but she, Adonia ben Chagis, right? So she was uh, another wife. So, the, so Adonia and Shlomo are brothers from their father. They're both sons of David Amalek, but from different half, mothers. Half right. Brother. Half right. Brother. Right, half brothers. Right, half brothers. Um, It doesn't. It doesn't say. It doesn't say. He definitely had some following. How big was it? Again, in the Tanakh, it doesn't say. He says he was. He was trying, and he definitely had some. As we said, some big names behind him. So that definitely, I'm sure, lent him credence in the eyes of many. Um, how many? It's. It's very unclear. It. It doesn't say. It doesn't say. Um, an interesting point and an important point halachically is that Shlomo Hamelach over here was anointed. Now. 
the general halacha is that a son of a king does not need to be anointed because the um, if you're inheriting the kingdom from one's father, so you don't need a new meshicha, a new anointing. The only reason why in this case Shlomo was anointed was because there was a machlokas. In other words, when there's others who are contending that they should be king, so the anointing is made, is done, in order to proclaim, no, that this one is the king, and, and no one uh, to the exclusion of all others. But when there isn't another, um, then it's automatic. Then you don't need anointing. And Rambam is very clear about that. He says that normally um, you don't anoint a melech ben melech, a king that's the son of a king, aside from when there's a machlekes, and therefore the anointing is done in order to avert that machlekes and show who is the correct king. So that's why in this case, there is the constant of anointment um, because, because of that reason, as I just said. Now, all of this is happening while Adonio is elsewhere celebrating and sort of proclaiming himself king. You realize all this happens sort of behind Adonia's back. Adonia um, makes himself a king and, is, and is, out, is out there and he's sacrificing and he's making big gatherings. And now this whole thing happened really in an inner chamber because, you know, Nasan and Bathsheba and Benio and Sadok went into David HaMelech. David HaMelech says, I'm proclaiming my son to king. Take him right now. Take him to the, to the stream and anoint him and proclaim that he's going to be the king. Bring him back to my palace. Have him sit on my throne. So now the word gets out, you know, the, uh, this makes headlines, that David Malach has just appointed his son Shlomo as the new king. So the, um, the news reaches Camp Adonio, right? And that's what we have in Pasuk Mem Aleph. It says, Vayishma Adoniyohu. Adonio and all those that he had called. They're just finishing the big Sa'uda. And they hear there's a shofar being blown, there's celebration going on, and there, and Yoav says, what's going on? What, what, what's the celebration? What's the shofar? What's happening? And as he's speaking, so Yonasan, the son of Evyasar, right? A lot of names here. Evyasar is the former Kohen Gadol going with Adoniyahu. So his son Evyasar comes and he says, I have some bad news here. I think we're going to break up this party. He says, he says, um, Adonenu HaMelech David, our master, the King David, just just anointed or just appointed Shlomo to be the next king. And he didn't, it wasn't just a few words. He sent Sadok and Nasan and Vniyohu and, and the Urim Vitumim and they had him ride on the mule of the king and they anointed him. And not just that, they brought him back to the palace and Shlomo right now is sitting on his father's throne. And his servants came and blessed him and said, um, and they gave him the bracha that his kingdom should, should prosper and so on and so forth. And David HaMelech said, Baruch Hashem Elokei Yisrael, that David HaMelech agreed to all of those brachas. Basically, he said, the game's over. In other words, it's done. It's a done deal. David HaMelech said what's going to be, and he already enacted it. You know, it's not just, you know, he gave a bracha. It's already in full motion. So when this, when, when the people who had come to this gathering party, whatever you call, uh, or, or campaign event, when they heard this, everyone became very, very nervous and very afraid. Because really, what you have over here is a rebellion. Um, this whole new king, the king was without David Amalek's consent, and now there's a new king, Shlomo. So it says everyone disappeared. Whoever was there quickly went back home, and that was the end of it. Adoniyahu, though, 
was petrified because he's the one behind all this. And he recognizes that if he's a murdered b'malchus, he's done. So there was an interesting tradition that one, uh, there was a place, there was a sanctuary, um, which didn't really work for most. But a person felt if he went to the Mishkan, to the place of the, of the uh, by the Mizbeach, so nobody's going to take someone to be killed from the Mizbeach. So that's where Adonuyo runs. The Pasuk says in Pasuk, Lam, in Pasuk Nun, Vadunuyo yari mipnei shlomo. Adunuyo is petrified from shlomo. Vayakam vayelich. He gets up and he goes. Vayachazik bekarnos hamizbeach. He holds on to the karnos hamizbeach, the uh, the head, the top of the mizbeach, and he's standing there, hoping that that will save him. Now, the mizbeach at this time is not in a very official place. It's uh, it's a very trans. You know, we know Shiloh was destroyed a long time ago. The base of mikdash is not built yet, so there's like a makeshift mishkan. Um, in Givon, a place called Givon. And that's where Adonia goes. So in, in Nunalaf we read that Shlomo is told about this. Shlomo is told that Adonia was afraid, and he is right now by the Mizbeach. And he's asking that Shlomo uh, gives, uh, gives him protection, swears that he, won't, uh, he won't, uh, won't put him to death. And Shlomo says, give him a message that as long as he will not, that he'll be a Ben Chayil, in other words, he'll be an upright citizen, He'll, that he won't have any more thoughts of rebellion, anything like that. He says, I won't hurt him at all. A, a hair won't fall from his head. However, if he continues in any way, in any form, to try to rebel, then Ben Mavis, who then, then, he's, then he has the death sentence. Um, and therefore, Shlomo sends this message to him, and he goes off in the Mizbeach, and he goes, and, and Shlomo says, Lech lebesecha, go back home. Again, as long as you're good, as long as you, you behave, you'll be fine. And that's where Perik Aleph finishes. Okay, let's uh, let's begin. I don't know if we'll finish Perik Beis, but let's begin. Vayikrivu yemei David lamus. It's the last days of David. David is uh, the days of David are coming to to an end. Vayitzav Shlomo benolema. David gives Shlomo his final tzava, his final will, and we'll see. It's actually a very interesting, um, unusual type of tzava, and he says the following. I'm going in the way of all the land. I'm going to pass away. You should be strong and be a man. Remember, he's 12 years old, as you said. This is right before his bar mitzvah. Interestingly, that the... Uh, just the Haftarah. Which... Uh, I'm sorry? Was this our recent Haftarah just last week or two weeks? Right, we, we, we right a couple of weeks ago. We read, right, that's correct. Yeah, yeah, we just. That's this. correct. That's correct. Okay. Okay. So he says, he said, right. So he says, that um, you should be a man. Interestingly, the free Rebbe by his bar mitzvah, his father said, based on these words. There's a lot of chasidus on these words, which is, no, I can get into it now about the part of ish uh, ish is midos, and a person has to control their midos. But this is what this is how. Um, David HaMelech leaves Shlomo. And he says that you have to guard the ways of Hashem to go in his ways and to what keeps the ways of the Chukim and the Mitzvahs and the Mishpatim and the Eidos, all the different types of Mitzvahs that we have, the way it's written in, 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 in Tairus Moshe, um, in order that you should be wise. And in order so that Hashem should fulfill his words, that he told me that if your sons will go in my way, in truth, so your sons, the, the kingdom, will stay in this family forever. So David says, if you want to remain king, if you want your children to remain king, it's, it's by going in the ways of Hashem. 
And that was his, that's the part of his uh, tzavah, which is basically his mandate for the way you should conduct his kingdom, a kingdom based on Torah, based on mitzvahs, based on, go, based on going in the Derech Hashem. But then David gives him a few difficult missions um, that he says, I want you to take care of after I pass away. And these are, here, here we have some tough ones. First one is Yoav. He says, Yoav, you have to take care of Yoav. Yoav killed too many people, and people who, he killed um, generals of the Jewish people, and the, the, biggest, the biggest thing was he killed them in a time of peace. Because as we saw in the stories, that, you know, whatever Yoav killed on the battlefield, that's, that's, what, you're supposed, that's what a general is supposed to do. But when, when Yoav killed Avner, um, who, was, who was Shaul's general, is when Avner had come to make up with David. And the same as when Yoav had killed Amasa. And that's what he says. He says, You know, this that Yoav ben Surya did to, the, to me by killing the two sorry tzivos Yisrael, two generals of the Jewish people, Avner ben Ner, Amasa ben Yasser. He killed them in a time of shalom, in a time of peace. And he put war in his, uh, in his, uh, the way he, in his belt, the way he girded himself. And that has to do with the way that he actually killed them. And therefore, David says, I want you to put Yoav to death. He says, Do according to your wisdom, and see to it that he, that he, that he will be put to death. It's interesting, David HaMelech didn't put Yoav to death. David felt he had benefited so much from Yoav. Yoav, at the end of the day, was, David's, was very loyal to David, and he was doing whatever he was doing in his mind for David, as, as, as a sign of his zealotry for, for David. And David didn't feel that it was right for him, therefore, to be the one that should put Yoav to death, though he felt that he, would, that he had to be put to death, and therefore he was telling his son Shaul, to, Shlomo, that is, to do it after his lifetime. So that was instruction number one. Instruction number two has to do with the opposite, of repaying kindness. And that is to someone that we don't know much of, but to the children of Barzillai Hagilodi. Barzillai, who's a, an, an elderly person from Gilad, who was one of David's supporters and who was there for David in the time that David was running and gave him bread and gave him food. And, and David says, I want you to always see to it that his children are taken care of. The children are by your table, so to speak, that they're taken care of. That was the second instruction. And then comes the third instruction. And this is a very fascinating idea that I want to, um, I want to talk about. He says, there's someone else that you have to take care of, and that's Shimi. Shimi ben Gera. Who was Shimi ben Gera? So we learned about Shimi ben Gera. I don't know if it was last week or two weeks ago or three weeks ago. And that he was the one. He, on the one hand, he was a tremendous Talmud Chacham, no question about that. He was one of the leaders, one of the teachers of the Jewish people. But he had cursed David terribly. When David was running, when David was, um, was in danger. So Shimi, it says, Kilulani klola nimretzes. He cursed him, David repeatedly. And after David was reinstated as king, Shimei had come and said, oh, he said he begged for forgiveness. And David said, then I'm not going to kill you. But at this point, David tells his son Shlomo that after I die, he says, Shimei cursed me terribly, and I swore to him that I won't kill him. But you, my son, do not see to it that, that the proper punishment is given to him. You're a wise man. You'll know how to take care of it. And then the Pasuk says, after these instructions, Vayishkav David Avosav, David was uh, died, or was buried with his fathers, Vayikavir Bir David, he's buried in Ir David, the city of David, right near Yerushalayim, and that's a place that we go to till today, David Melas Kever, anyone who is in Yerushalayim, I hope was, uh, it was there, it's, it's uh, you know. Is that, is that real? Is that really his kever, or is it just a small 
there's some question if it's exactly there or it's 100 feet over or 200 feet over but that's the place okay. I mean, yeah no that, that's uh, it seems to be the accepted place of David Amalekskev now and here's an, a very fascinating point that I want to spend a couple of moments on because it's a very a very important point and especially also connected tonight we said as the Alter Rebbe's yard site an idea that the Alter Rebbe really teaches and explains in Tanya I want to say it in short when Sh- when Shimei had cursed David and David's generals had told David put Shimei to death what was David's response then? When they said, you know, Shimei is a Morid B'Malchus, he's the really ultimate rebellious in the king, he's Chayiv Misa. What did David say? David said, how can I put him to death? Hashem Omar Lo Kalil. Hashem told him to curse me. So, so why should I put him to death? And we explained then. Of course, Hashem didn't tell Shimei to curse David, but David says, whatever happens, happens from Hashem. So if Shimei cursed me, that means Hashem put those words in his mouth. So therefore, why would I put him to death? which made sense. But then why now, at the end of the story, is David saying that he should be put to death? Like, you know, is he, you know, did he do something wrong? Was he deserving of death or was he not deserving of death? How did David, what's the about face here? Again, the same David Amalek who had told his generals, Hashem Amar Lo Kalel, Hashem is the one who told Shimei to curse, and therefore I should, I will not put him to death, now is saying that, that those cursings have to be um, paid for and atoned for, and he has to be put to death. How do we understand this seeming about face of David Hamelech? And the answer is a, is a very important one. And that is really how we look at anything difficult or anything bad that's done to us by another person. When someone does something, when, when I'm hurt by someone, so on the one hand, I have to believe what happened, happened from Hashem. If something bad happened to me, if I was hurt in any way, physically, mentally, emotionally, if I was hurt, that was meant to happen to me from Hashem. That's one part of the story. On the other hand, the person who did it, they did an Avera. How do those two things make sense? If if it happened because Hashem wanted it to happen, so then why are we saying the person did an Avera? And the answer is there's two parts to every story. There's the one who did it and the one to whom it was done. Two parts of every single story. Again, person A hurts person B. The fact that person A chose to hurt someone is an Avera. And person A is going to have to pay the price for an Avera. But person A doesn't have the ability to choose what should happen to person B. The fact that something happened to person B means that something had to happen to person B. So, person A did an Avera, but what happened to person B had to happen to person B. Now the question is, but, but if Hashem wants something to happen to person B, doesn't person A have to do it? The answer is no. Person C could do it. The fact that something has to happen to someone, Hashem has many ways how it could happen. The person who did an Avera made a bad choice and is the one who did it. And therefore, that's what's behind this story. David, when David was cursed, David said, I was cursed because I had to be cursed. So therefore, I, I have nothing to be angry about. What happened to me had to happen to me. Hashem Omar Lo Khalil. On the other hand, though, Shimi did do an Avera. So David is saying, Shimi has to be put to death, but not by me. If it's by me, then it's something personal. I'm not personally upset at Shimi. Because I had to be cursed. That's from Hashem. But once I'm out of the picture, once I pass away, then Shimi has to, Shimi has to receive what he has to receive because he did make a bad decision to do an Avera. But it's not what I'm going to be around. 
Because if I'm going to be around, then it's like I'm getting him back. I'm angry. I'm upset. Then it's personal. And it's not personal. And really, in this idea that Al-Tarebbe discusses in Tanya, the two sides to every story. And Al-Tarebbe says that really when one understands this properly, this is the way how we cannot be angry ever when something is done to us. Because we recognize whatever happened to us had to happen to us. That person made bad decisions, but they're not the one who causes what happened to me. And that's the two sides of the David and Shimi story. David says, on a personal level, I'm not angry. It wasn't Shimi who cursed me. It came from Hashem. And therefore, when I'm there, I don't want Shimi... I don't want Shimi punished. I don't want anyone to think I'm angry at Shimi. When I'm not there, when it has nothing to do with me anymore, Shimi made a bad mistake. He has to be punished for what he's done. And that's what David tells his son, um, Shol, uh, I'm going to keep on saying that, Shlemy, that after he passes away to see to it, once David is not around and it's not personal, that Shimi receives that punishment that he needed to get as well. And we'll see how that's, uh, that carries itself out in next week's parsha, in, in, next, in next class in Ritz Hashem. Um, Pasuk Yud Aleph is concludes and says, "Vayamim um, the days that David was the king when the Jewish people." We already read this before, but now the the Torah is telling the Navi is telling to us that he was a king for forty years. We know, of course, forty years is a very important number that keeps on repeating itself in leadership amongst the Jewish people. Um, Moshe Rabbeinu was also the uh, the leader of the Jewish people for forty years, and, and so many other great leaders. Um, in Hebron, it was the first seven years. Yushalayim, the next thirty-three years. Shlomo Yashav al Kisei David Aviv, and Shlomo sat on the on the Kisei, on the throne of David. Vatikin Malchusei Meod, his Malchus became very powerful and very strong. As we will continue learning in Mirza Hashem, I want to mention that here we learned very little about the last days of David Hamelach. Really, it was just really just you know we have the quick tzava, we have the one story of Adunia. We don't have a lot about the last days of David HaMelech. Elsewhere we do, and that is in Divrei Hayamim. There's another book of Tanakh, which is called Divrei Hayamim. I think it's translated as Chronicles. That was written much later by Ezra. And there it just goes through a lot about the lifetime. And just, it's much more, it's not story, it's methodical, just facts. And there it talks about what David was really involved with in the last period of his life, which interestingly is not talked about here. And that is more than anything else, David was preparing for the Beis HaMikdash. And he was gathering materials, and David spent a tremendous amount of effort and time and money and people. And that was his last big thing that he was working with. And in Divrei Ayamim, it discusses how much he amassed for it. We, we did read last week that he bought the area of the Beis HaMikdash, right? We read about buying the, uh, the Gorin, the granary of Arv, Ar- Aravna Hayivusi, which was going to be the place of the Beis HaMikdash, but that's it. Uh, last week, it was almost like, by the way, that he bought that. In order to make a, bring a carbon, because the because the um, the magefa the, the plague had stopped there, but in in Divrayamim it tells us that that was a big preoccupation of David Hamelach, and in fact I'll just I'll finish with something fascinating, that one of the things it says there he says he gathered gold and he gathered silver and he gathered a tremendous amount of iron, barzel, and the mefarshim are fraught with a question which is there's no iron in the building of the Beis Hamikdash, um, you weren't allowed to put it it's, it's, there was zahav. There was gold and there was silver and there was copper, but there's no iron. And David Amalek, it says, gathers the, I don't remember the numbers, it says uh, uh, thousands or like a tremendous amount of kikar kasef uh, of, 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 of barzel, of iron. And it's something that there's a number of Mufarshambat and whatever, and I'm not going to go into it now, but the Rebbe says that in the third base Amikdash, there's going to be barzel. Because Barzal represents something that's powerful and everlasting. And the third base of was, and David had his 
eye on the prize. <laughs> David wasn't looking. David wanted to build a base amikdash that's going to be already then uh, an, an everlasting base amikdash. Of course, it didn't happen exactly that way. But David Amalek was was devoted to his ultimate mission. We know that Mashiach is merely a descendant, a, a continuation of David HaMelech, and that's really what David HaMelech was busy with. So it's not mentioned here, because here already we're going to the story of Shlomo, we're moving on to the next step. But in Divrei Yamim, there's that whole part of what David HaMelech was doing at this time in preparation for the Beis HaMikdash Hashlishi. So we're going to start... That because um, swords will be uh, transferred... Yeah, exactly, 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 exactly. The 